the top filled with light The jade reflective kind of is half filled with time One in the spent I find a story in my mind Yeah, I know you won't wait Can't stop you taking trips out of state Casualties of summer nights and intuitions I talk to Cash and tell her all my hopes and wishes She says I need a man with morals and ambition Still shudder at the idea of that old tradition Like that Except right, for the fact that I Here, episode 30 on Saturday Radio With Scooter LaForge And I said that right? Yes, yes Okay, sweet how do, is, do other people pronounce it in like a weird... No, the, people always get it right. Okay. Yeah. Scooter LaForge here. Yes. Episode 31. First of all, we have to talk about how this happened. Yeah. How are we here? I saw you, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Are you the one that stopped me? Yes. yes. You saw me. Yes. And, and you thought I had a yoga mat. Yeah, I thought it was a yoga mat that you had, but it's actually some paper. I it was paper, it was. yes. So then I stumbled upon the fact that you're an artist. So um, we then started speaking about uh, my podcast about Saturday. Yeah. First off, we're walking and he immediately goes to you and he's like, "Is that a yoga mat?" I'm like, "Oh no!" Like I don't know who. Why is he talking to this guy? Like I, we're just walking to this place. I'm like, "Oh, here we go." So I just kept walking. I'm like, "I'm gonna just let him do his thing." Oh, I know. Thank you for stopping. <laughs> and you know what's but crazy? Thank you. Yeah. I know. Um, when you guys got here, we were gonna video, but and I've been videoed a lot during interviews, but when there's no video and it's just this, it's actually more um, intimate. Yeah. Because you're not aware of the camera yeah, and you you're not trying this. to be cool. So you, it's better. I like this better. I mean, you, you can come so back. So you should and recommend this. To yeah. And, and you can come back and video again, but this is a lot. I already feel a lot more comfortable. Oh, cool. No, so honestly, exactly like me too. We, we, off. We've even talked about because our whole idea of this podcast was never video. It, yeah. I mean, at some point, obviously, maybe throwing the camera up on the corner when yeah. we're doing a show, yeah. but it was never meant to no. be. No, I mean, and I listen to podcasts all the time, and it always seems like people are at ease, and I can see why. There's no camera. I yeah. mean, it's it's a little bit, you're, you're more real when the camera's on, you're not as fake, and you're not fake, but you're not trying to be right. all like cool for the camera, Yeah. and um, I like it. Have you good. have you done a lot of video? That's off. That's oh yeah yeah yeah. Off topic, yeah but yeah, I have done a lot of video. Okay, and not a, not a lot of. I also want to make sure that I you know, the lighting's good and yeah, there's a nice background. I'm sitting up straight. I look. I have a nice outfit on. I you know, the beard's done. Yeah, the hair, the beard. <laughs> so it's, I like this. I have never ever done a podcast. That's why. Over I'm, like just straight audio. I love yeah. I love podcasts. Oh shoot! Yeah. So let's go. Yeah. So let's, let's do, do this. this. Thank you. Thank you. Do this. Come on. <laughs> I'm, excited. <now. laughs> I'm excited. So yeah, that's what happened, and went up. To yeah, you. and thank you. That's yeah. very. It's a New York <laughs> situation. Yeah. And um, I liked the vibe, and you guys are very nice. Remember, somebody was hanging on the. <laughs> oh yeah. Who was oh, the so Armani was. Armani. Yeah. Hanging on the. Human yeah. You guys looked like you were having screen. a good time. Were you going to the bar? We actually we were. just finished. Yeah. We were going to another bar. Yeah, what happened was we were at a Toro y Moi Q&A yeah. at the public hotel. Done with that. Oh, that was that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And we were just there having yeah. a good time. Yeah. And we wanted to keep going. And we found out there's a bar like around the corner. Yeah. Ended up doing pull-ups. Yeah, someone was doing pull-ups. And pull then jumping over signs. Like street yeah, pull-ups. You guys were not there. You she oh, you was were there. Or you were in the back. But she was like speed walking because. Oh, you were maybe ahead. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the moment I saw Ant talking to somebody, yeah. I didn't even know. It was, I just saw him talking oh, to somebody. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to keep going. Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on. But yeah. and someone, maybe I should be more. Smell, someone smells good. They have nice cologne on. Ooh, is it you or you? <laughs> I'm not sure. Did you put yeah. cologne on? I don't know what you think. Why are you all looking at me? It's not. What kind is it? You don't? I, I am. Oh, what, what kind are you wearing? I'm, that's uh, undisclosed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't reveal that. <laughs> no, no, okay. I can, I can respect that. I can respect that. You don't want to reveal your beauty secrets. You can't. No, you can't. Because that's I one of the only things I like. 
you know, you could wear something and maybe yeah. like someone out there might know where you got no. it from, but cologne. But you know, cologne. the thing of it is, is I've been into wearing cologne. Oh I've yeah? cologne, yeah. What, like recently? It. Yeah. Just this past year. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I used to wear it when I was in high school and then I stopped and then I, I'm wearing it again. Like I almost put it on every day. It's, it's interesting because it's like a whole, like... You really get to, to uh... It's a whole other layer of someone's personality. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right? Yeah, and getting into colognes is crazy because, like, there's so many different types yeah. for different situations. No, I have one that's by Tom Ford and it's cigarettes. Which one? Is cigarettes. it tobacco vanilla? Maybe. It's a sample that my friend gave me because he works at Tom Ford and every time I wear it, people ask me if I've been smoking. Oh! It's probably tobacco, tobacco. vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Tom Ford, any co yeah, yeah, Tom yeah, Ford. No, he's anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different world. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I, real quick, because I wasn't there, but what were you guys talking about? Like, he I, asked me if it was, was a yoga mat, so. and then you said, I remember he, you hearing you saying, no, I'm an artist. I think that's No, what he didn't even, I said, it's paper, and then he said, are you an artist? And oh, said, you yes. said, are you an artist? And then I said, what do you do? We have a podcast. I said, oh, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. And then he's like, oh, well, this is our podcast. He pulled out my phone and I followed you guys on your podcast. And then we switched information and I didn't think I wouldn't hear from you guys. And then I heard from you. You sent me the email. It was Josh. Oh, it was Josh, yeah. the guy that left. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were Josh. So tell me Nick. Your, huh? Nick. Nick. And yeah. tell me your name again. Anthony. Anthony, Nick, yeah. and Joshua. And your name? Amina. Amina. And you, were you there too? No. Oh, okay. Uh, which is name? rare. Carmelo. Carmelo. Which is That's rare because Carmelo's yeah. been coming out with us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, got it. You were supposed to come that day. Was I? It was a Tory Mock Q&A. I think I, I asked, I asked asked you wanted to come. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, definitely I, was, invited. I was doing a play. You, as an actor? Or? Yeah, I was an actor. Oh, cool. So I, I was doing That's it in high school. That's crazy. Well, cool. So are you um, actually from New York? I'm from New Mexico. Okay. And a small town called Las Cruces. And I moved here in 2001. So I've been here for six, 17 years. So why'd you move? I moved here for a job that was in Soho at a, a store that sells jeans. It was called Earl Jean. And they, they since then they've gone bankrupt. But that's where I came here. And okay. I moved here a month after 9-11. Oh, wow. October of 2001. What was that like? It was still um, dust and smoke and the smell. And um, everything below Houston Street was still closed. And the store where I was working on was one block below Houston. So that store had remained closed until January. So it was still, you could still smell it burning electricity and burning buildings. Mm -hmm. It almost smelled like burnt sugar. Mm. And it was very anxiety-ridden and people were still scared. And like, if you came down here to get close to the World Trade Center, you started to, I started to shake and like, it was still a little scary. Well, that's just crazy that you would fly out here a month. I had already given up everything and I, I sold all my stuff, I moved here on the plane, I came with my bike, so I was ready to come. So you were already playing this before yeah. any of that happened? Yeah. So there was no choice, you had to yeah. get over here? Exactly. Shoot. I'm surprised, I thought they had flights canceled for like months. No, no, I, I got here. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, because I was excited about coming. I, I wasn't terrified, I, I, I wanted to come here and I was... I've always wanted to live here my whole life, so I was like, I'm going. I'm going no matter what. What were your expectations of coming here? Like, were you expecting to live here for yeah, a long definitely. time, or you yeah. just wanted to get a job here? I at least wanted to um, experience it here and experience the New York lifestyle and live in Manhattan. Because I moved, I was living in Brooklyn, and then I was like, I'm, I want to move to Manhattan. So I moved to the East Village, and I've been there ever since like it's for like 15 years but I wanted to see how it feels see how it felt to live here because I read about it my whole life and I subscribed to this magazine called interview do you remember that 
I think so, yeah. I remember yeah. Yeah. interviewing her. It's not around it's, anymore? It's still around. Oh. But it used to be really cool. It was a cool magazine. And my mom gave me a subscription to that. And that's actually what made me want to move here. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And you started, so once you got here, that was your only job or you moved around? I moved around. Time. And then I What went, other jobs did you uh, I, have? I um, worked in the jeans store. Then after that, I went and worked at this place called Mark Jacobs, which is a clothing store. And I did their... I did sales there, I did windows, they asked me to paint the portraits of their employees for the window, and then I left there and I did the windows at Barney's, which is on Madison, and then after I was doing that, I went and worked at this place called Jimmy Choo, which is a woman's shoe store, are you familiar with Jimmy Choo, I know. you know what it is? Yeah. And I worked there for um, like six years, and then after that I stopped. And when you say you worked there, you were like doing retail stuff? That like, was a salesperson. A sales? Okay. Yeah, and I loved that job. That was my favorite job working at the Jimmy Choo. Because I loved the shoes. They're just beautiful shoes and handbags. When I was working there, they were gorgeous. And um, it was nice to, to style the ladies that came in. And um, I did a lot of work. Styling women for the red carpet, actresses, singers, dancers, you know, in these gorgeous shoes with their handbags, and then you would see them at the Academy Awards with these pieces that I had picked out for them to go with their dresses, and and uh, I was a good salesperson. I used I used to make a lot of money, and I was every now and then I would be the top salesperson globally there. Wow! So selling for me came very at easy. At Jimmy Choo, yes, and at Marc Jacobs, I was doing very all all those selling jobs I did very well so what's the why what, what was it what do you think it's you or because you I like the, the product that I was selling I loved those shoes and I loved I loved helping women come in and it, it wasn't clothes it was just shoes and bags so it was really fun you know I wasn't having to deal with when I was selling the jeans you know I would bring up size 24 pants and then the girls would come out and say oh do I look fat this makes my butt look fat this and that and the other and then like for instance there'd be a girl coming out in size 24 jeans that's like a size zero like probably her size and they would come out and then there would be like a girl that's size 20 here and they're both standing in the mirror and then the skinny girl saying oh my god I look so fat and then there's this really larger woman here and she's saying it right in front of that lady and I'm like well that lady must feel really bad if she sees this skinny girl saying that but anyways, I didn't, I didn't want to deal with those issues of people feeling fat and stuff. With, with shoes, you don't have to deal with women's insecurities of the way they look. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Women's yeah. insecurities? Um, like, oh yeah, we have a time. Yeah, like, see? So when you're selling like, shoes to ladies, there's no insecurities about the feet. You know, unless, you know, they have like weird feet, but... Right, it's a that. whole different... It's a whole different thing, and men don't care. Men. They don't care, and they I come think in, men care. and they just buy. But not as much as women. But I think no, men it's care. a it's a big difference. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I'd rather have a, a man help me with like my shoes rather than. Oh, see. Yeah. Why is that? I feel like men don't notice half of the things that like women notice. So like, if you're insecure about like your toe being crooked on one side, like you know what I mean? Like yeah, men don't yeah, notice. Men that, don't like, care. Like yeah. a shirt toe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like shirt toes. <laughs> not that I have shirt toes, but like. <laughs> Yes. It, have you ever had to sell anything you didn't like and had a bad experience with that? No, not really. Because it, Marc Jacobs was really cool and this Earl jeans, they were really cool jeans. So everything I liked. I don't think I would take the job if I wasn't interested in that. And, and you mentioned Marc Jacobs had you paint the employees. Yeah, I was painting the employees and they said, why don't you paint the employees and we'll put the paintings in the window. So that just kind of, they found out I was an artist and then they started using me to decorate the windows. That was going to be my question. So yeah. how they, so they already knew, they found out you were an artist. Yeah. So at this point you were already. I was more underground as an artist. Okay. Yeah. But it started in New Mexico. Yeah. Since I was a kid, it started. Yeah. yeah. How? Like you just. It, it, it was, I was born with it because my dad's a painter and an artist and my mom is a singer and an actress and a musician. 
Wow. So I had it. I had yeah. it when I was born. And you just kept going with yeah. it? Yeah. And you went to University of Arizona? I went to University of Arizona. And for what? For painting. And then um, I came here and I got this cool fellowship at Cooper Union where I did further studies in my painting. And then pretty much after I went to the Cooper Union School, I stopped and just became a full-time artist. Isn't University of Arizona like a big party? Yeah, school? absolutely. What was that like? It was fun. It was really <laughs> fun. I, I. So the reputation's yeah, real. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people go there just to party, and it's beautiful there and um, sunny, and a lot of New Yorkers go there. And you know, people drink a lot. I'm sure they do that in all universities. Don't they do that in yours? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, on such a large scale. But I think Eris, like they, I don't know what they do over there, but they obviously have done enough to have a reputation as yeah, it is. a party. It like, is. It party definitely school. is. Yeah. That's funny. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Did that affect anything in your academics or? No. I wasn't a big partier in school, and I was taking my art classes, and I wanted to um, excel in the art classes, and I did excel in my art classes. Um, so, I mean, a little bit, but not hardcore. Are you still in contact with anyone that was in your major, your professors or anything like no. that? No. No? No. In fact, I tried to get in contact with them. I went back to the school to find people, and um, I couldn't find anyone. And I even sent emails to try and go back and do something with the school, but I can't get a hold of anyone. Huh. Maybe they, they have a high turnover rate, mm. but I'm not in contact with any professors in from college. I, I always like to just ask people that in yeah. general, just because I'm finishing up school now, so I'm always wondering where in five years, ten years, when I'm still like an advisor. But yeah, I'm, yeah I, I'm not. I have friends from elementary school still to this day, but my teachers from college, no. And I was close with them, and I did very well in college, but you just, you kind of move on and do your own thing. So how did college help you as a painter? Did, did you learn a lot from it, or, because there's a lot of people who go to college for certain majors and they would say, oh, I, did, I learned mainly everything I know from not my classes. It, from it helped me in the fact that I had some cool teachers, and I saw what they were doing. Like, I took this class with this graphic designer named David Carlson and he's like a major graphic designer and he was very inspiring to me because he thought differently and he thought out of the box um, but it just kind of helped me find my way in exactly what I wanted to do with my career so you know as an artist I definitely learned more from the school of life and being out on my own and navigating the world on my own than college. College didn't prepare me for that at all. Getting thrown out into the world and doing doing your thing and and being and you know, being a painter is, is very creative, but the real creativity lies in finding your path and finding what works for you business wise and finding your group of people that that you can call your family and where your your um, aesthetic fits I don't know are you artists you guys yeah what I do you? graphic design yeah, yeah so. and what about you and I DJ well yeah so so you have to parallels. find the people that listen want to listen to the, your music and you have to find your clients that want your style of graphic design so if you look up this guy named David Carlson You'll die. He's. Do you know who Neville Brody is? Like the, the graphic designer. No, I've never heard of him. Look these people up because they're like the godfathers of graphic design. But that one, David Carlson, I loved him. He he just thought out of the box. But I didn't get. I just found my way when I moved here and I was on my own and I had to survive and I was hungry for getting my career going. Mm -hmm. And at this point, let's say college. You've been painting on canvases, like how they just taught you how to paint on canvases or like or murals. Like how I could do that? anything I wanted. They hired me to paint a mural in the student union, 
and at that point I was making posters, I was um, doing anything I could. In fact, when I started painting on clothes, I was doing it to make money, and I was selling the t-shirts on the street in the meatpacking district, and um, you know, this that that's a, just a, one facet of the artwork that I do with painting on clothes, and I painted on stuff for Madonna, for Beyonce, for Rihanna, for Miley Cyrus, for this, that, and the other, Katy Perry, mm -hmm. wow. who, who's on American Idol right now. Yeah. Is she wearing anything right now? No, she this likes, like... she gives glamour. She, you know, she's pure glamour. But her songwriter, Sarah, has bought a lot of stuff of mine. And Sarah just wrote this song called Swish Swish. Do you know that song by Katy Perry? Yeah. She wrote that song. Oh, okay. And she's a big customer of mine. Interesting. And she wrote Dark Horse. Yeah. So these the high profile clients that you do have are purchasing clothing pieces from you. Not yeah. not canvases. Well they're paying they're purchasing both. Like Rihanna bought I had a show in this store called V Files. Do you know what that is? Of course. Yeah. And we did a in store display and I painted a military theme in there, like I painted some military candid, military tents and some cots, some military army cots that were vintage. I just painted all of them and Rihanna bought the cots for her swimming pool and then she ended up buying about seven pieces of clothes. So they're, they're buying paintings and clothes. Madonna's has some painting, has one painting and her manager has two paintings, her publicist. And how, how'd that come about? Um, through her publicist, makeup artist. Oh, well, the reason they have paintings is because I'm very good friends with this guy named Dale Johnson, who's a who, who's a fantastic makeup artist, who's a co collector of mine and a good friend who does Liz's makeup, and that's how that connection. But the video came from. I did this video called "Bitch on Madonna," and that came from Patricia Field, who's a costume designer, who's a, also a very good friend of mine, who's an Academy Award-winning uh, nominee costume designer, and she used to have a store here. So that came through Pat. So I'm guessing you met a lot of people from working at the, the retail, the sales jobs that you've had? Is that how you met a lot of these people? Not my art contacts, but I've met a lot of people working in retail. Aretha Franklin, Glenn Close, um, Patricia Nixon, who's Richard Nixon's daughter, the granddaughter, um, just random people. Um, okay, so serious question. If you meet these people knowing that you are an artist, wanting them, or let's say you meet in one of your idols or someone yeah. in a job where it may not be appropriate to talk about your, your personal, um, what you're working on aside from that specific job, like how do you go about that? Do you even bring up they, that you're an artist? To, they have to come to you. I, I would... I would do it in the most unpushy way and if it was a natural, organic way. I wouldn't push it. Or you wouldn't it. even do it at all? No. It has to come very natural. They almost have to ask. But I would never give the information outright. If I was working in a job where, where like, say you're a famous guy and I really respected you and you came to buy some tennis shoes for me or whatever. Okay. I would never talk about it. I would just focus on the shoes. And then if you started to get interested in anything that I did or... You know, if you asked, definitely I would say, well, here's my contact. You can just look it up. And go from there. Yeah. And that has, that has that happened? No. 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 But that would be your... That's how, that's I how would, you would that's go how the I'd, right way. I would approach it. Okay. Because people can sense that desperation. And I think it's yeah. a turn off. I'm, turn, I'm turned off by it if somebody's desperate with me. You just have to be chill. You just have yeah. to be like, you know. But it's also that... From, for you personally, for that person that meets someone and wants them to know, you want them to know what you do. Yeah. So you feel like your conversation with them should steer in that direction yeah. so that you could say it to them. I feel like that's that's happened to me, I guess, in the past where like I've met someone and I just want them to know what I do and they may not be interested, but I just feel like telling them anyway. But I know that's not the right way it's to a, go It's about. a middle ground. It's middle ground. As long as it happens naturally and organically, mm -hmm. and it will come. 
you just have to be if you're talking with that person who you want them to know what you do and you're engaged in a conversation it'll come you just just be relaxed and for me just be relaxed and be chilled and be yourself and uh, I think that information will end up coming yeah the balls so I'm just curious how did the um the, the uh, placement with Beyonce come about that became about through Patricia Field who is a fabulous like costume designer and she's been working in the business forever and she's seven she just turned 75 she had a, a store here in the city and she knows everyone and um, Beyonce's stylist came in and bought the jacket okay. and gave it to her and she loved it and then she wore it and since then they've asked me to do jackets for her daughter wow um, for uh, Blue, Blue, Ivy. Ivy, yeah. Blue Ivy and um, I painted some baseball caps for them and then uh, anything for Jay? no no. Has uh, your sale experience helped you oh, yeah. with, with like these finds? Yeah. In what ways? Um, just dealing with like high-profile people. In selling, it's it's like a it's a it's a skill, you know. Um, you have to be honest with the, the customer. You have to know that what they like and what they felt like. But, but selling what I was selling and then selling paintings and things with art are two different things because you cannot force this art on people. They have to want it. But when I was selling shoes, you, you almost force it on them. You have to buy these shoes. They're only $700. And if you get these shoes, you have to get this matching handbag. You can't be out in public without the matching handbag. So it's a harder, hardcore sale. When it comes to paintings and stuff, you know, do you, you like that painting? Yeah. Oh, you don't like it? No, that's cool. Yeah. There's no selling. But you have to be available and know about the product and this, that, and the other. And, um, <laughs> God, you guys have a big team. Yeah, this is the... This, this guys yeah, have a big had, team here. We just had Josh walk in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Big fan of you. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's very cool. Welcome, you guys. Hi. Because it sounds like they, they approach you. They approach they... you, yeah. When it comes to artwork and, and that stuff, they have to approach you. So how do you get your work in the eyes of people that you want? Social media. Giving a lot of gifts. And, and, and how? Just sending it to Yeah, people. sending it to them, doing a lot of stuff for free. Um, I do a lot of stuff for charity. I donate a lot of stuff to charity. Um, you know, if somebody writes me on Instagram and they're like a 16-year-old girl and she doesn't have any money but she loves this dress I painted, I work with her around her budget, um, then she wears it out to the club and maybe someone sees her in the club and they're like, oh my god, where did you get that? And it's a trickling effect. It's mm -hmm. like a, you know, like pay it forward. But I do a lot of stuff for free. I give a lot of stuff away. And when did you start painting on clothes? About, I would say about six years ago. And do you have any favorite pieces or at this favorite point, garments no. that you like to? I've been doing so much of it that it's, you know. And how do people usually go about getting a piece done? They, they can go on Patricia's website, which is patriciafield.com. Or if they see me on Instagram, they can write me a message on Instagram. They can, um, you know. But they, they have to bring you a piece? Oh, no. The... They can do that. They can bring me a piece. They can bring me a jacket. Like that, those pants that I'm doing for this guy, he sent me those pants. Yeah. That's supposed to be Popeye. Yeah, and he Popeye. wanted Popeye on there. This, this bag is a Prada bag. This lady in England asked me to paint her bag. So. That's dope. What's uh, the design? It's just a skunk. I don't know. I, she said you you can do whatever you want, and I was reading a comic book, and I painted like a sad, a mad skunk on this side and a happy one on this side, and he's like a cyclops. Yeah. But she she had a lot of times with these bags, they get sick. These women get sick of their bags, and they just want to revive them. So, you know, this was a white Prada bag. 
and it was kind of dirty, so she figured if I painted it, we would become something new, and she can carry this around. Do you have any favorite pieces that you've done? Like some of the ones that you um, always like to showcase or you're most proud of? No, because you know, I paint it and then it goes. And then somebody will come and they'll give me a little bit of direction and then I'll paint that and then it goes. So always my latest thing is my favorite thing. I've painted a lot of clothes, so it's like, for me to remember what's my favorite, it's so hard to do. I can't even remember half the stuff that I painted, you know. I mean, I just painted like, there's 30 t-shirts there that I painted to bring to London. So, you know, how am I going to remember that in like a month, you know, to, to list off my favorites? It's just too, after you do so much, it's like, you know. And what do you have like, going sometimes on? Sometimes I get sick of it. Yeah. You know. But at the same time, I love it, but, you know, so when I get orders of painting like a hundred things on the same t-shirt, that can get like, pretty like, oh my god, I have to do this a hundred times over and over again, but, you know. But anyways, what were you going to ask me? Well, what do you have going on in London? An art show. I'm going to have an art show on November, on uh, uh, March 22nd. How many yeah. um, pieces are you displaying? Um, six very large paintings, and then three prints. Well, I thought you said those shirts were... Those shirts are going to be... We're making catalogs, and there's going to be 30 catalogs, and what those catalogs are going to be this book called The Odyssey. Do you know what that is? Yeah. By think, Homer. It's oh a yeah, poem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The classical. Uh-huh. The classical book. It's a classic, yeah. Wrong. And um, those t-shirts are going to get folded, and then we put them on top of the book and tie a ribbon around them, and that's the catalog. And I'm going to paint on the catalog. We ordered the books and I'll paint on the books. And then that's what I did those for. Let's see. And have you had a lot of out of the country shows? Yeah. I have shown Italy, Germany, um, Manchester, England, Russia, uh, and that's it. Do you find like the market is different in different countries? Yeah, they appreciate like, it more outside of the United States. Why do, you, why do you think that is? Because it's in their culture. They're, they're, especially in Europe, art has existed in there for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Like even Greece, like talking about the Odyssey, that's from 8 BC and that was a poem. So they appreciated art, whether it was poetry, writing, acting, painting for hundreds of thousands of years, where the United States is, you know, when did we start this country? In 1776? No. Uh, when, 1776, right? But when, when, did, when did the United States start? I mean, if you count Christopher Columbus, like 1453. See, 1453. When they're having poets in Greece from 8 BC. So, they already have it and they appreciate it. And like in France, the artists will sit at tables with the president of France and the arts is more connected with the politics and everything in countries outside of, and it's just really more appreciated there in Europe. People are more into it and they appreciate it more than the United States. The United States people are interested in taking selfies, um, going online, listening to fake news, watching CNN every night. You know, that's what people do here. CNN is the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. They don't, they, over there, if you're an artist, you know, they appreciate it, they respect it, you know, so that's my personal experience. Mm -hmm. That being said, I have a lot of artist friends in New York and I'm connected and I always surround myself with artists, whether they're DJs, dancers, actresses. I think that's important to have a group of people that you can support and that supports you. Mm -hmm. I was just gonna say, what makes you stay in New York then? Yeah, but I guess New I York has here. always had it. New York's always had it here. Yeah, and do you see any differences in what people are interested in, in other countries in terms of like what people are interested in the states and over there, like in terms of colors and art pieces? Well, the sad thing is, is that everyone's trying to be like America. When I went to London, they're trying to dress like. Americans dress, they're trying to be like 
you know, they're, they're not staying true to their own culture. You walk around and you see people wearing, dressing like us, which, you know, every country had their own, their own culture and stuff, but now everyone's trying to be like Americans and they have like Starbucks on the corner and Amer Urban Outfitters is everywhere. And, you know, I went to London for the first time and I was like, oh, I get to see London. It's going to be English and we're going to drink tea and we're going to have this and that and the other. And then you walk down the street and there's Starbucks, there's Urban Outfitters, there's, you know. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that be like every city, for example? Yeah. yeah. I wanted it to be English, but it seemed like it was more trying to be American, mm -hmm. yeah. which is sad. Yeah, I need to go to the countryside. Well, we're here in your studio in New York. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the space and yeah. what you do the, here exactly? Well, see, these are empty paintings. These I had painted for the London show, and these were the stretcher bars that had canvas on them. So I took the canvas off, and I rolled them up, and I sent it to England. And that show's going to be at a place called Jealous Gallery. And this is my area where I paint. And then I have a little sewing area over there where I have a sewing machine. There's a mountain of clothes and fabrics here that I tear apart and I use for to sew on different clothes. I have my paints here. Um, I have an easel there to paint on. Looks like a typical yeah. studio. I have my spray paint here. I have oil paints over there. I have a desk over there. I have my radio, my paintbrushes. Um, I have a fan going on. You know, it's a typical art studio. You listen to music while you work? I listen or? to music while I work. I listen to podcasts. I listen to Spotify. I was just listening to this, um, my friend Seth Troxler, who's a DJ. Do you know him? Yep. No, you don't. Yeah, of course not. I, I, I don't know well, him. He's I, of course, he's I've been Seth listening is, for years. Seth is curating the show in London, and he's one of my best friends. And he's been, he, when he DJs, he only wears my clothes. And he's been really? buying my stuff for almost 10 years and he has like maybe he's got a huge collection of paintings and he curated the show in London and you know Seth is one of the biggest DJs in the world of course yeah, yeah so Seth we're giving you a shout out right now Seth crazy yeah <laughs> I'm glad we talked about it and Seth and I did the Odyssey and Seth had a big part in curating this like it was his idea to get these catalogs and we had these the book that we had the Odyssey printed and it's going to be in a in a linen bound Fox, and um, you know he's been great to work with. I was just listening to his music on okay. my Spotify. Okay. Um, I listen to that myths and legends. I listen to a lot of uh, unsolved mis murder mysteries, um, interviews. And what do you do when you're when you're not in the studio? Are you um, here? Almost. No, I, I go to museums. I go, I hang out at my friend's house. Like last night, last night we had a dinner party. When I saw you guys on the street, I had left another friend of mine's house. That if you go, it there was a men's homeless shelter where I met you, but there's a door there, and if you go into that door, my friend Isad owns this beautiful castle in there. It's like almost the whole block behind there, and it's three levels. And it has a big outdoor garden. Um, I don't know. It's 50,000 square feet, I guess. Wow. But I was just in there. So it's like in New York City, it's cool because you walk by and you see all these homeless guys out there drinking and stuff. And then there's his door. And if you go in there, you go into this incredible castle with all this beautiful artwork. And it's huge. It's the biggest place I've ever been in in my life. Wow. And he's an artist. He's an amazing artist. So can you um, talk a little bit about this um, painting right here? Like, focus on <laughs> with the blue skeleton. Yes, I did that because... Yeah, describe it a little bit since we don't have video. Well, it's, it's a blue skeleton and silver skeleton, and they're, they're having sex. And um, I painted that about a year ago because uh, I thought... It's actually like a political painting about the state of what our country's in. It's like we're fucking over our own country. And, um, you know, it's not done yet, but it's, it's, a, it's a political statement about the 
turbulence and the state of um, what our country's in right now. And it's a hardcore painting. I mean, I wish you guys, your listeners could see it. We'll find a way to yeah. upload that image. Yeah. And so it, does it usually take that long? To yeah, I have paintings laying around and I, like, I'm still gonna do work on this more. You know, it's kind of like, it has a black background. I'm gonna do put something in that background. But yeah, that'll, that's gonna take about another year. I just leave them up and then if I say, oh, that needs this or that, I'll go and paint that in. And where do you, where do you sell your, your paintings? I, was, I sell them in a gallery called Howl Happening, which is right on the same block where I met you. And then I also sell them, I have an art dealer in Bushwick, her name's Stephanie Theodore, and that gallery name is Theodore Art. And, um, you know, different places. I have them at Patricia Fields Showroom, which is open to the public, and that's on at um, 200 East Broadway in the Lower East Side. So, a few places in New York you can go get them. How important would you say it is to know the business of an artist? It's, it's, if you want to make money, it's like almost more important than making the art. I mean, if you have the art in you, then you should learn about how to sell your work and how to find your market who's going to buy your work. Who will purchase your first piece? Oh god, that was... I'm old. I mean, that was a <laughs> long time ago. I mean, maybe in Tucson? When I was in school? Well, I sold a painting to someone. And I remember the painting, it was a dog. I can't even remember who bought it. But it was a dog kind of barking. Talking about the business behind what you do, do you have a team or do you have... I have people that I depend on. Um, what are some of the roles? I have a good friend, his name's Jorge, who's an editor, and he helps me write, and he's a brilliant editor. Anytime I need to put a press release out, or write a bio, or write an article, or write an interview, I consult with him and he helps me write. And I also have um, Patricia Field, who is a, an agent, and she has a full, she, she has a huge following, and um, she's a big supporter of mine, and she has sold a lot of work. And then I have another that gallery, How Happening, who sells the paintings. But what's most important is you have to find your market. You have to find who's... Where, where your home is as an artist. That's really hard to do. That took me a long time to do. Because I remember when I first moved here, I was sending out slides to galleries. I probably sent out like a hundred slide packages or digital images to galleries all over New York. And did I get one single response out of these hundred I sent out? No. You have to go meet the people that you want to meet and get to know what they do how they do what they do, if your stuff is going to help them with their business. And, um, you know, social media helped me a lot. I, I started, I remember when Tumblr first started, I probably was one of the first people on Tumblr. Of the first, like, 20 people. I remember Tumblr had, like, 20 people on there. So how did you even... A friend of mine got me into it. His name was Walt. And... He told me about Tumblr. We both got on Tumblr and we worked Tumblr. We and then we got tons of followers and um, I remember Tumblr helped me a lot. Tumblr was kind of like the first Instagram. Yeah. And I remember when Instagram first started. And you? Yeah, I do a lot of. Um, I'm getting ready to to do costuming for a Romeo and Juliet play. For um, you know who Rosie O'Donnell is the yeah. she she has this thing called Rosie's Kids and it's um, these really talented kids who she has a school that's called Rosie's Kids and it's all theater and dancing and singing and they're putting on a uh, play Romeo and Juliet and I'm gonna do the costumes for Romeo and Juliet which will be out very soon at the end of um, April. 
Are they going to be stylized? Yeah, stylized. It's hip hop, and we're doing, um, you know, my style of clothes. We were going to do a military theme, but they th they felt like that was too hardcore, so we're going into a more Shakespearean contemporary theme. But it's all stylized, and all the costumes will be hand painted, and I'm going to do all the dancers, and um, it's going to be really cool. I'm excited about that. So can we yeah. expect like a lot of patterns and colors from that? Well, what we're doing is we're buying pre-existing turtlenecks because the director wanted them, their faces to be prominent. So I told him we're going to buy white turtlenecks and then I'm going to paint on the turtlenecks. And then Juliet's going to have a dress that I'm going to paint and Romeo's going to have this long kind of trench coat that I'm going to paint. But I'm going to write messages on there and... Um, maybe get a little political and um, you know we'll see I, I have to still consult with that director and what he wants but it's going in a really good interesting direction do you plan on keeping your clothing pieces the way they are now like one-on-ones or do you yeah want always to... keep it always keep it one-offs and why is that instead of as opposed to that, let's say mass producing be, i don't want to be a clothing designer and i don't want to get into mass producing because that's a full-time job to be a, a clothing designer you have to put out a collection of clothes four times a year and that's you, your life is done you have your life is devoted to that like you put something out on the runway and you're already doing the next collection there's no there would be no time for painting there would be no time for doing the Rosie's kids, there would be no time for traveling to London, you're stuck in that design room working on the clothes. That's not what I want. If you weren't painting, what would you say you would be doing? A surgeon. Surgeon? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How does that job? Because I love the human body, I love how it works, I love the heart, you know, just knowing the innards of all the human body. And it doesn't gross me out. No. Like blood or oh, no. organs and stuff. Do you have any like gruesome artwork like that? I do. And you'll have to maybe put it on your site. But I did a painting that had to do with the Odyssey. There's one scene where this these monsters eat these men. Right. And I have a monster eating the inside of the men and I actually looked up the innards and I painted organs and the rib cage and his chest is all open and there's blood dripping out. So you know. Yeah, I'll I'll show it to you. I have it right here on my phone. Yeah. What advice would you give to an artist right now that was in your position when you flew here to, to New York to keep your eyes in open. 2018 to keep your eyes open for those opportunities that come to you? What kind? What kind of opportunities? Like, for instance, you're a DJ. Right. Say someone wants you to DJ a birthday party or something. Um, I don't know. That's maybe a bad example. But like for me, when I first got here, someone offered me to, a show in a bar, and I had a show in a bar. Um, I had a show in a laundromat, in a bathroom. Somebody wanted me to do a logo for... Um, uh, something that I really wasn't interested in, but it pushed me in my creative limits and, and boundaries. And I did that logo, and it was a beautiful logo, but it, I like doing stuff that, that pushes me outside of my comfort zone. Um, I wish I could give you a good example of something that I did. Like I did something for Tiffany, well that's not a good example, but I did something for Tiffany's where they wanted geometric shapes, and I painted this, these clothes that had geometric shapes on there and it came out beautiful. I'm not an abstract artist, but I pushed myself to that. And the advice I would give to artists would be to keep doing what you love to do and, and have a sense of business. Figure out the business side of the artwork because you've got you've to get it out there and you've got to like know how you're going to make money if you want to support yourself as an artist. I mean, it's just what how it is. You've got to get that business sense down. But what steps do you think should be should someone take to learn about that like do you read like how do you even know what this is hang out with the other DJs or go for you like go and be uh, an apprentice in a graphic design office who you respect 
and see how they run their business and get see what you like about that and work for free and for you work for free with the music or the DJ people and see what what you like about them and kind of like make sure that you surround yourself with successful people that you look up to in your industry because you'll be like oh well he does that I can do that too you know I, I know how to do that and I have a friend who would hire me to do that or you know that way you get your confidence level up and, and um, you learn more and you learn about the business side of how to make money as a full-time artist but everyone has their own road you know every every career in art world everyone has a different road that they take so you know one has to be really really you have to see those opportunities that come and and look for them too and and put the pieces together and not just kind of sit there and sit in your studio and be like i want to be a famous artist you have to get out there and Put the work in. Yeah, you have to put the work into it. 10,000 hours of work. Yeah. Yeah, 10,000 hours. I think that's a good way to close it off here. But where could people find you um, on social media? They can find me on Instagram under Scooter LaForge. They can always go to patriciafield.com. If they live in London, you can go to Jealous Gallery. And that's on, you can find information about my art show on their gallery. And, uh, what are, what are the dates for those? The opening is March 22nd, and it's gonna stay open for one month. And mostly you can get a hold of me on Instagram. That's my main thing. I don't have a website, I just use Instagram. And, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you guys. I'm glad this happened. Yeah, no, I love this, this was, organic like we stuff. Said, Space up, up into space up.